Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to Basketball Conference, the ACC football podcast. My name's Joey Weaver. He is Mike McDaniel. Mike, week 11 is upon us. We have games. I'm not going to commit to how many games because that number seems to be changing by the minute. Uh, but we also, we have more than two of us on here. We know how many we have. We have a guest. You want to tell us a little bit about him? Sup, Cam? <laughs> <laughs> What's going on? I like the pithy introduction. I mean, the way I look at it, the man that needs no introduction, Cameron J. Underwood. <laughs> Tis I. I am back. Appreciate it. Uh, you know, good to be here. Talk a little football. You Not guys want? Yeah. I, I was gonna say, you guys want to uh, preview Georgia Tech Miami? No. Yeah. Um. It's gonna be great. It's gonna be a hard fought game. It's going to be maybe December the nineteenth because uh, the Hurricanes <laughs> got the cooties, um, which I get. You know, we kind of knew. Uh, Not the first time before Miami. Yeah. uh, You know, hey, it is what it is. But uh, yeah, you know, Miami's private school, so we don't have to say anything concretely (laughs) about having COVID or anything like that. And we did not for a while (laughs) until it came to the point where, okay, we almost didn't have enough scholarship players to play last week's game. And then apparently the COVID situation at Miami is worsened from that situation. And then the ACC said, yeah, all these last three games are going to get rescheduled. And for some other teams that we're going to play, they're going to get rescheduled and all kinds of things like that. So there we go. I did I did find that kind of interesting or funny, the way that it happened, that Saturday afternoon in the postgame press conference, Manny Diaz is saying, oh, we, we weren't even sure if we were going to have enough to play this game that we just played and we won. And then by Monday afternoon, it was like, no, we're not going to have enough by this weekend. Like. I guess it was either that close and it was just one or two more tests or contact traces or whatever, or, mm-hmm. you know, maybe we shouldn't have even played that game to begin with. <laughs> yeah, Cam, Cam, what was the deal there? That was offensive line, right? Yeah, I mean, offensive line was one of the hardest hit positions. Uh, you know, you're missing two starters um, there. You had Navon Donaldson, who's redshirting this year uh, as a fourth-year player in the program, and then he actually dressed out and he was going to be the first guy off the bench. If we needed to rotate a guy in uh, on the offensive line, then obviously, you know, you're missing your starting or a starting linebacker in um, Zach McLeod. You're missing some guys, uh, some other depth guys, Jared Harrison hunt, a freshman defensive tackle, a redshirt freshman who finally had eclipsed a senior in front of him to be starting. So, I mean, you're, you're missing three starters and like eight contributors. And there were 13 total guys who are out. Plus the fact Miami's well under the 85 scholarship limit anyway. And that's before you even get to the opt-outs. So Miami's probably operating at, you know, 70, 71, 72 total scholarships. Oh, so wow. if you take out 13 guys, you're at 58, which is yeah. just above the threshold of 53. So I know that people are like, oh yeah, da, da, da. like, you know, because if you're thinking Tate Martell opted out, um, you know, guys have transferred, um, Gregory Russo opted out for his NFL draft stock, uh, you know, uh, uh, pursuit and things like that. There's other guys who are not on this squad right now. Um, 
So if you're going off of 85, cool. But if you're going off of 76 to begin with before you have yeah. opt-outs and then 13, it was – Manny Diaz wasn't wrong. He was pretty close there. I mean, and honestly, he had said, look, there were grad assistants who were standing in with first team during practice sometimes last week. Like, it was – yeah, it was getting pretty thick or pretty pretty dicey, and apparently it's gotten dicier. So we're not playing until December. Vacation time. Turn on. Didn't I didn't realize. Uh, didn't realize it was that bad from a scholarship standpoint. Yeah. I, I did notice that you didn't mention that Tate Martell was opting out and preparing for the NFL draft. I, I thought that was an odd little omission. That, not to mention that. Yeah, it slipped past me too. Awkward. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Tate Martell was a great high school quarterback. Uh, the same cannot be said for college. Going pro in something other than sports, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Indeed. And for it those who follow more. such things, because somebody did bring it to my attention, he and his Instagram model girlfriend have gone their separate ways. So there's not even turns that. out she does not want to be hooking up with a future insurance salesman. <laughs> On that note, uh, yes, <laughs> as, as alluded to, the Georgia Tech Miami game uh, was postponed earlier this week. So we're already off one game of uh, this week's slate and then. Fortunately, unfortunately, you know, depending on the word you want to use, uh, we found out just moments before we hit the record button that the Duke and Wake Forest game has also been postponed this weekend with no cancellation, no, uh, no makeup date necessarily announced yet and may not be made up at all. So that leaves us now with just four games that we can really discuss, you know, with any amount of depth. And then also, you know, we've got an FCS matchup that somehow snuck onto the schedule in, in November that we'll talk through here in a little bit, but Guys, let's, let's go ahead and let's jump in here. Friday night, 7 o'clock on ESPN. The Syracuse Orange, an 18-point underdog on the road, taking on the Louisville Cardinals. And it's interesting because if you had told me in the preseason that this game was going to be a matchup of two teams with a combined 2-12 and 12 conference record, I don't know that I would really have believed you, and I also wouldn't have believed that it had an 18-point spread. <laughs> Uh, where do we want to begin here, Cam? Where do we want to begin? I'll I'll yield the floor to you. Um, yeah, both of these teams are playing poorly. Um, yep. Yeah, I, I don't think that I would one more poorly than the other, but I don't think that I w- would have believed the current state of affairs either. Uh, like Joey said, uh, heading into this game, if you would have just told me in August or, you know, August when the, uh, the schedule got reworked and revamped and, uh, you know, announced and everything, this would be where the records were and everything. I, I don't think that I would have believed that, but uh, such is life. Um, but for me, you know, I think I got to go with the unit that I think is the best out of any on the field on either side, and that's going to be the Louisville offense. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they're far and away the best unit on of any of the six. It's offense, defense, and specials from either team. Um, it'll be tough. You know, Syracuse Syracuse does get up for the odd game here and there, but it's usually against Clemson um, in the Dome every other year, um, maybe one other time. But, uh, yeah, I, I think it's going to be tough because I've, I'm on record on here and on uh, Mike's other podcast of saying that I think openly that Louisville's defense is real bad, real bad, real bad. And if you look at the fact that we have a current JUCO quarterback at Miami last year set a program record with six touchdown passes and then back that up again with another amazing offensive performance this year, 
in a developing stage for Miami. I think that there's evidence to support that. But as bad as Louisville's off or defense is, Syracuse's offense might be worse. It has yeah, been. I agree. Uh, not quite a sight for sore eyes. That's for sure. <laughs> I'll say. Um, all right, Joey. I really, really have trouble picking Louisville as a damn near three touchdown favorite. It's a lot with of points. defense that bad. That is a lot of points. Now, I will concede that Syracuse is off pretty terrible. And there's no end in sight for really figuring that out. I mean, Rex Culpepper was injured a couple of weeks ago and left the game. And Syracuse at one point was rolling with a freshman at quarterback, uh, which what, let me just make sure I get his name right. Jacoby and Morgan, right? True freshman. He threw for 188 yards in that game. I am curious to see what Syracuse does offensively here. Um, no matter who the quarterback is, we kind of know what we're going to see if it's Rex Culpepper. Um, they're going to sling it around a bit because, number one, they can't run the ball very well. But Jacoby and Morgan, I think, number one, he is he is more of a pocket passer. But he's just he's a guy who, even if he gets outside of the pocket, he's really going to have to be running for his life. This is a offensive line that is really, really terrible. And I want to give Syracuse's defense a little bit of credit because statistically it doesn't look great. But when you consider how poorly the offense has played this year, I look at Syracuse sometimes and I'm like, you know what? It could have been worse, right? And that's even without Andre Sisco in the lineup. Um, you know, they obviously lost him for the season earlier this year. And, and that was a situation where I was like, all right, Syracuse is just going to totally unravel defensively. And they really haven't. The offense has continued to be really bad, though. I can't believe I'm doing this. Syracuse plus points. Oof. So you're the kind of guy that wants to be on Syracuse in this in this spot, then? Nope. I just <laughs> I, I don't. I don't. I really don't. Maybe this game. Maybe we'll get lucky, and this game will get canceled. <laughs> that would that would be the lucky, right approach, I guess. Um, right approach. I mean, only from the standpoint that you wouldn't have to watch it, but I'm just <laughs> or bet on it, or, or or bet on it. Yeah, I mean either one, but I mean right I, approach. <laughs> It's weird God. saying this, but I am going to take Syracuse in the points too. Oh yeah, let's go, I baby, just, Joey. I mean, Louisville can Louisville can score, and Louisville can score a lot, mm-hmm. but they give up a lot. And even with an offense that's not great, I think that Louisville's defense is so bad that Syracuse can luck into, and it might even be a backdoor cover where they're up, you know, yeah. by twenty four, give up a late tutty. And all of a sudden they lose by 17 and not the eight. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not saying that it's going to be so much. It's just so much. Exactly. I'm not saying that it's going to be a 42, 41 thriller to the end, you know, two point conversion tipped away for a championship. I just think that 18 is a whole lot of points over the course of the game. For what it's worth, I mean, if you if you look at the numbers from SP plus Bill hasn't posted his weekly projections just yet, but you look at the, the, the difference here points wise. It's 15 and change before you factor in home field advantage. So basically SP plus yeah. saying this, this 18 number, not really all that wrong. It's probably pretty spot on. Um, the thing, something I want to mention here about Louisville in particular that I don't think we've given a lot of credence to on this podcast is 
the fact that Louisville is 14th in the conference out of 15 teams this year in turnover margin in conference games. They're minus 11 in turnovers. Like they are, and, and it's not that they're turning the ball over at it. Like I mean, they they are tied for second in turnovers lost, which isn't great. But they're also like bottom of the barrel. They've only gained five turnovers all year. Like yeah. this defense hasn't come up with turnovers, and I kind of I disagree with the notion to some degree that their defense is just like absolutely god awful. It's I, I don't think it is at this point. We were talking on a recent episode, Cam, and there I mean there were definitely if you go back and rewatch the Miami game, I mean, there were how many just like ridiculous coverage busts and just mind numbingly dumb things that defense was doing that was just it was broken. I, I yeah. think they've gotten it fixed in the last month or so. You know, it's Okay. There there's there's some talent issues there and they need to recruit better on that side of the ball and, and you know, keep getting used to this defensive scheme that they're running, but like at least it seems like everybody kind of knows where they're supposed to be at this point, which is is progress from what we saw there early in the season. Um, I'm gonna, they can I'm gonna, get 11 guys on the field now. Yeah, can get 11 guys on the field and can cover most of the receivers on any given play. So that's pretty good. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna take Louisville here. Um, this I realize it's a lot of points. Hmm. I realize it's a lot of points, but it does feel like Louisville's due for I, I think what. Uh, what the solid verbal would refer to as a net crack game, a just, you know, get it all out. And, and at some point, like if I could see them winning this game, like 35, 14, that's a cover. I mean, it's, it's a lot of points. Yeah. I don't know how, even against a bad defense, I don't think Syracuse is putting up, you know, more than, I, I don't expect Syracuse to get to 20 points, put it that way, um, without help of, you know, a turnover, you know, running, run, run a, 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 an interception back for a touchdown or something like that, which, very much on the table, um, and their defense has been okay. But yeah, give me Louisville here. I think Louisville has been improving. It's not showing in the record as, as much, but I I think this is an opportunity at home at night. You know, doing all this stuff. I think Louisville has a chance here to uh, take a step forward and play a game that they can at least feel good about themselves afterwards. Well, that's more than. They've been able to say most of the year, right? Agree to so. disagree here. <laughs> but I mean, yeah. also, I mean, if there's a team that they can get right against and feel a little bit good about themselves as, you know, playing the opposition, Syracuse is on that list. So God, it better be Syracuse. You know what I mean? So it's not totally crazy. It's just 18 is a lot of points. It's a lot. It is yeah, a, lot. It's a lot. I don't know. It is a lot. And this Louisville team, I mean, Let's see. They have gone three, four, and one against a spread this year. Uh, not particularly good. So, you know. Also, to everybody listening, forget that eighteen points is a lot of points later in the episode. That's all I'm gonna say. <laughs> that, that, that statement exists for this game and, and and this game only. That's all I'm gonna say. In a vacuum. That's we call it. that a tease. Yep, we call that a tease in this business. Total is fifty six and a half. Y'all want anything to do with that? Absolutely not. Maybe under. Yeah, no, I'm staying far, far away from that one. I, I literally just pulled the uh, 35-14 out of thin air. That would that would put you pretty close. It's like that would put you damn close. So, oh, that's I guess it's a few eight points, points under. Yeah, that's a full touchdown under. Yeah. I guess when I was running that in my head, I was thinking 35-21, which would put you right at the 56 and a half. But mm-hmm. so, but I, then cover. Right, exactly. That's but hard. At least for me and Mike, it would cover. Right, yeah, yeah. I like that a lot. Yeah. I'm with it. Probably leave it alone, Mike. Oh, the total? Yeah, God, yeah. All right. We're leaving it alone. 
We're leaving it alone. Fair yeah. enough. Yep. Playing unders in 2020, by the way, not a good proposition. Bad. <laughs> Had a <laughs> lot, very bad. lot of games going over this year. So, for what that's worth. Uh, let's move on. Noon on ABC, the number four Clemson Tigers, <laughs> a 35-point road favorite in Tallahassee, taking on Cam's favorites, the Florida State Seminoles, total is 65 and a half. Cam, it's on national television. Yes. It's Clemson. They're getting Trevor Lawrence back. They need to prove something coming off that Notre Dame loss. They're playing Florida State, who is getting worse by the week. I have a feeling that you are in no way, shape, or form can wait to watch this game. I cannot wait. I openly am, like, elated to see this game. I'm going to enjoy my work day at the secret day job on Friday. Got another in the continuing string of big Friday days uh, there, so I'm very excited for that. I'm going to have a nice dinner from one of my favorite restaurants. I'm going to have a couple of drinks. I'm going to continue to unpack this apartment. I'm going to unpack probably a bottle that I have not opened in five years. I'm going to wake up at the crack of 1130 on Saturday morning. I'm going to get myself situated in this current recliner with this television on at full volume with a cocktail ready for the God darn show, because, whoa, boy, listen, <laughs> I cannot wait to see this game. It is going it's oh. to be, oh, man, this is, I mean, look, obviously, I would prefer it if Miami were playing, and then I could watch the Miami Hurricanes and everything like that. But watching Florida State get taken out behind the woodshed, oh, this is going to be a glorious occasion for your boy over here. So, I mean, <laughs> I, yes, I am, I am excited. I am hyped. For this, and I mean, you got Britton Venables with his coach speak. You know, oh, Jordan Travis, if he's back for Florida State, he runs like Lamar Jackson did at Louisville. Are you high? Does Dabo? <laughs> I mean, are y'all are y'all smoking rocks over there in the coaching office at Clemson? Like, do you not honestly and truly do you not remember what what Louisville Lamar Jackson was? Do not remember when he literally was jumping over dudes and like skywalking backwards into the end zone multiple times during game. Like Jordan Travis can run. Okay, he can escape. He can call you know, some some zone reads, some quarterback run thing. But putting him in the same context and sentence as a runner as Louisville Lamar Jackson, and then not even talking about the passing because Jordan Travis can't throw. He cannot like. It's going to be like a big time recruit at a recruiting event one time. I saw um, Carson Palmer's younger brother, Jordan Palmer, was at the uh, at the bachelor Jesse Palmer. No, 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 Jordan Palmer. They all run together. I don't know. They one one of them, but Jordan Palmer. He stopped the entire event to teach this quarterback, this supposed five-star recruit from South Florida, how to throw the ball. Like, this is how you step, this is how you aim, this is your arm motion, like elementary, rudimentary stuff. That's the kind of work that Jordan Travis needs to do throwing the ball. (laughs) So even if he were as good a runner as Lamar Jackson, which he is not, to be perfectly clearly honest, you're discounting then what Lamar Jackson did, did and does with his arm. And I get that you gotta do the coach speak and not give them anything for the bulletin board. But yeah, no, this is a team that Clemson, you know, this is a get-right game for them. Just like you're talking about the previous game could be a get-right game for Louisville cracking their neck. Oh, man, 
Clemson, they've been stewing on that loss. They get Sunshine Lawrence back. You know, they're trying to get the swag back. They're going, trying to, you know, beat a path to the ACC championship game, back in the playoff, all those kind of things. And the first road bump on that path is going to be the, the corpse of the 2020 Florida State Seminoles. And I can't wait. Mike, get you a man that talks about you the way that Brent Venables talks about the next coming, uh, the upcoming quarterback. <laughs> I was going to you know say, I mean? man. I was going to say, man, like the, the press conferences every week, like you would have thought that Clemson is playing the best team in the country every single week. A I've literal NFL schedule. I have, <laughs> I have, I'll leave that right there. <laughs> I have never heard of anybody talk about their opponents the way that Clemson talks about theirs. And it is <laughs> unbelievable. I mean, they would hype up Syracuse. They'll hype up anybody. But it they've almost unreal. lost to Syracuse. So, okay, maybe. <laughs> Almost once bitten, twice shy. But yeah, it's it's almost like you know Dean Smith, Carolina basketball, where he was like going out of the way and saying anybody who gives you an assist on a bucket, you point to them, and that's where that started from. For all those people who play basketball and everything, like that's when he was like, no, it's not about you making the basket; it's about the pass. And you would see them doing that kind of a thing, and it's Venables doing that. But it's yeah, I mean, it, it's it's over the top. <laughs> Yeah, it makes me it makes me wonder if Brent Venables is just going to be pointing to Jordan Travis when he throws Clemson <laughs> the ball like four times on Saturday. Um, so, Cam, I have one suggestion to make. Uh, get yourself a second recliner because Trevor Lawrence is going to come over to your place. He's going to sit down right next to you and watch the second half with you because this game is going to be an absolute blowout. I mean, this is going to be one of those games where Clemson covers the spread at halftime. Speaking of neck crack games, <laughs> yeah, this is one of them. This is one of them. Get your popcorn ready. Bet on Clemson minus thirty-five. Don't think twice. So keep in mind here too, and this is this is mildly serious. Keep in mind here too, like Clemson now has a loss on the resume, and they didn't have like a super strong strength of schedule to begin with, mm-hmm. and they're still trying to make the playoff. And we're deep in the season, and you better believe they're going to start trying to go for some style points in each and every game that they play. So don't don't uh, don't expect that they're just going to start coasting through the second half because they might just keep putting it on them to to make a point. Yeah, I agree, and that's why you bet on Clemson with a five touchdown spread mm-hmm. against a Florida State team that doesn't deserve this. And and not only that, you have. Tamorian Terry, the star wide receiver from Florida Ouch. State, has left their program. Yep. You have Marvin Wilson, the star defensive tackle, should have left last year as a first-round probable draft pick. Yep. He's out for the year, gone from the program. I don't know if yep. I saw Joshua Kando as well. They're six, seven defensive end. Uh, other guy, I forget which name, but he's another starter who's either out and or left the program. Like you're probably gonna, you, you're starting to see the mass exodus from Florida state. And we've seen some guys kind of trickle there, but also, you know, if I say Tamori and Terry, that's one of the few names that, you know, from Florida state's roster. If I say Marvin Wilson, that's one of the few names, you know, from the roster, both of those guys and another guy or two have either sustained injuries that are putting them out and, or elected to remove themselves from the tire fire situation that is going on in Tallahassee. So you're even taking, and those are unquestionably in the top, what, four, five players on the roster, gone. You know what I mean? Just like that. So not only do you have this incredible, massive, light years worth of distance gulf of talent between Clemson and Florida State, you're increasing that difference by taking top guys off of the roster, 
you know, James Blackman. Oh, he's the other one. But James Blackman decided, okay, you're going to play this other kid and everything. I keep getting injured here because your offensive line won't block for me. He's gone as well. So three of the name guys from this name brand program that, you know, but once you get past the logo and everything, is it the same Florida State that you're remembering with Jameis Winston and Dalvin Cook? Those guys are gone, off the roster, not playing, whatever have you. So, yeah, it's even more disparate. Oh, yeah, it's going to be – this is going to be biblical. This is going to be a beat them down of epic proportions. <laughs> I, I I mean, like, I mean, how long – how many carries would Travis – or does Travis Etienne need to get? How many throws does uh, Sunshine Lawrence need to have? Because we can go to uh, Younger Lele, you know, after that. Then there's other guys after that. Hey, maybe it's another five quarterback game where you got Will Spires, the punter, coming in for a series at quarterback, which happened earlier this year. You know what I mean? It's on. going to be. It's good. Uh, I, I can't wait. I can't. This, this is a literal, and I and I know sometimes people in you know the media and blogging and podcasting use words, uh, you know, wrong ways. I'm using this correctly. <laughs> this is a literal name your score game within the bounds of the constraints of time for Clemson. If they wanted to be 83 to three, it'll be 83 to three. They can literally pick their score and they're going to hit it. And I hope that they pick a big crooked number because I, I want to see it. One, one more quick thing. Let me jump in here real quick. One more quick thing. Uh, Florida state is a bit underwater from a yards perspective, right? Florida state as an offense, they average around 381 yards per game. They're giving up a, a little over 464 a game. I think Clemson could get three quarters of the way there by halftime. Depending on starting position, yeah. I mean, yeah. and like turnovers and short fields would be the only thing that precludes that. Agreed. But if they have to, if, if they get it for 75, 80, if you have a great punt, 90, 95 yards, they're going to roll those yards up. Yep. But I mean, yeah, as long as they don't have short fields because of turnovers or something like that, I see no reason why Clemson's not at, you know, three, three and a quarter. Yeah, Clemson. Time. Clemson should go over their season average of 503 yards per game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I assume we're all on Clemson minus anything here. Yep. We were talking about this before last week's episode, and I'm going to proffer this really quickly for conversation on the microphone. What would the number have to be for you to pick Florida State? Mm-hmm. I mean, clearly, Clemson minus 40. Yeah, I was going to say like probably getting towards mid 40s. I was going to say 45 was going to be yeah. my number. Say like 45, 47. I mean, somewhere in 46 and a half. Like, that's where I think, like, these guys, you know, that that's where the number would have to be. So, yeah, anything south of, I mean, and, and, and you could make a case there because, again, Miami beat them by six touchdowns and that's 42. So, you know, you get a little bit above that, 46 and a half, 47. So you're pushing towards beat, winning by seven touchdowns. That's where it would become a conversation for me. Mm-hmm. But that's emblematic both of how good Clemson is and how bad Florida State is. Yeah, it w- I mean, it would basically be a play at that point on, I-, I don't know, maybe Clemson finds a way to turn it over once or twice and Florida State is playing to just shorten the game and just, you know, run the ball, run the clock and that kind of thing to where it's, it you know, you keep it down to 42 to nothing or 48 to 7 or something like that, you know, like <laughs> – that that's what the play is on though like it's not it's i still don't feel good about it at that number what do we think about the total total is is 65 and a half um it 
to me, it goes back to what Cam was saying about the name your score thing. It, mm-hmm. it depends on like how. I mean, does Clemson want to keep scoring now that they have fifty-two points? Like, and if they do, then yeah, it probably goes over. But <laughs> do they want to double the spread like they did but, against Georgia Tech? Like, yeah, because they could do it. Like, if they wanted to, right? Like, I, it's crazy. I mean, it really is crazy. And I think that the answer to the question is yes. Do they want to keep scoring? Because they were running hurry up at the end of the Miami game and they were up, what, three, four touchdowns at a time to try to get into the end zone again. And like you're talking about, the strength of schedule was low. They lost the last time on like Channel 6 national television, like non-cable, like broadcast television to Clemson or to uh, Notre Dame. So yeah, they're trying to win these style points and everything. And Dabo is going to use that draw. He's going to try to be a good Southern boy and, you know, everything, da, da, da. but he knows what's at stake. And he knows that this is basically 96 Florida where Steve Spurrier openly was saying, we're going to beat teams 77 to nothing because we need the style points. He knows he needs the style points. He knows that even though nationally, and even in the ACC, the grip is not slipping for Clemson. He knows that. The players there know that. It was a close loss to a comp, a good team that played their best game. But we want to remind everybody, in case you forgot who Clemson is, who we are, what we can do, and the capabilities of this program, not just this year's team, but this program going forward. And Florida State is going to be on the business end of that example being made. And it's going to make me so happy. My goodness. Clemson. Little Clemson, right, Mike Norvell? Well, I, you know, I, I'm I'm trying to think of what Dabo is going to be saying in the postgame press conference about what kind of win this was. I just, I'm trying to think of what it would be. Hey, it was BYOG, bring your own guts. Uh, bring your own guts, that's right. Yeah, that's, that's the kind of win we're going to be looking for here on Saturday. Um, it should be fun. All right. Um, anybody feeling particularly saucy about this this Clemson pick? Nope. Anyone looking like to lock it up? Than normal? Oh yeah, me, Cam. Lock it up. Lock, lock it up. Week. Hundred percent. Yep. There. Lock it up. No, you lock it up. Lock it up. Lock it up. Lock it up. Please. Officially locked. Count it as locked, Cam. You got it. Pick of the Bang. week, right there. Clemson oh. minus thirty-five. Clemson minus anything, I suppose. Honestly, I mean, it, it's a D twice the price. I would say, you know, uh, yeah, 100%. And like I said, and I mean, you guys know that the main thing for me is like not even that Clemson's going to win and cover. It's that they're going to win and cover and beat the dog crap out of Florida State. That's the, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's the that real up. dream there. <laughs> That's the real dream. And honestly, my team is not playing. I'm off on Saturday and have nothing else to do. I got three or four screens in here. The big screen is going to have Clemson Florida State for every game. And maybe one of the smaller ones, too. And a replay later in the day. Yeah, you know, if they, if they have a second angle or something, because, I mean, I'm just going to revel in the destruction. Sky cam? Oh, my God. Yeah, give it to me. Give it to me. Give it to me. Give me coach's room. Give me the, uh, yeah, the coach's room. All, all of that. Give me all of that for this game, please. All right. Uh, Clemson minus anything. No opinions on the total. Cam's got that as his lock of the week. Let's keep moving here. Four o'clock on the ACC Network. Mike, your Virginia Tech Hokies are a three-and-a-half-point road favorite in Pittsburgh. Uh... Uh, what does Virginia Tech Twitter think about that? <laughs> oh, they don't want to know what I think about that. But Joey, Virginia Tech minus three and a half. You know what we're gonna do? It's a pick of the week, baby. Lock it up. You better lock it up. You better lock it up. No, you lock it up. Lock it up. Lock it up. Lock it up. Please. 
Mike, all, all you have ever talked about with this game from the preseason is Virginia Tech doesn't play well in Pittsburgh historically. They haven't. Uh, Virginia Tech has been on a roll of being varying levels of disappointing in the last few weeks. Why are we locking up the Hokies as a road favorite here? Pittsburgh hasn't practiced in a week and a half. They just got out of quarantine today on Tuesday, uh, four days before the game. Uh, Virginia Tech's passing game, uh, I think, will make enough plays. We talked about throwback plays and stuff like that against Miami. I think that they could utilize a similar type of strategy against Pittsburgh's pass rush, which actually hasn't been totally bad, despite the secondary being total ass. Um, the rushing defense is actually really good, uh, best in the ACC, which is problematic for Virginia Tech. I know a lot of fans are going to look at that and say, oh, my God, Virginia Tech's rushing offense. How are they going to move the ball? They're going to throw on Pittsburgh. We asked the same thing about Notre Dame, whether or not they could do it. Virginia Tech is going to throw on Pittsburgh. They're going to win the football game. I don't trust Pittsburgh's offense against this Virginia Tech defense. They actually played well a week ago against a very good Miami offense. They played well in that game. If that same Virginia Tech's defense, same Virginia Tech defense shows up, Virginia Tech wins this game going away, guys. Seven to ten point spread. Hokies win. This is what they do. This is what they do. <laughs> All right, I, guys. Look, no, no rhyme or reason. No, yeah. Well, listen. No, there's no rhyme or reason to this, right? This is just what they do. And you know what they also do? They beat a team like Miami when they're not supposed to, and they damn near did it. This is just what they do. When their back's against the wall after losing to, like, Liberty or Old Dominion, they come back and win a game they're not supposed to. This is what they do. So the question to me becomes, basically, does the same Virginia Tech defense show up this week that we saw last week? Because if they do, I, I'm right there with no, you. I, I don't think probably not. This this Pittsburgh offense has been largely ineffective in most most any case of any game that they've played all year. Like if that Hokies defense shows up this week, no, Pitt can't move the ball. Uh, and, and yeah, Virginia Tech will be able to throw the ball enough to win by some you know some relatively lower scoring game. But yeah, I think they can get you know at least a touchdown of, of margin here. Cam, the question becomes though, if you're an, you know an opposing fan watching this Virginia Tech team, like, and I know I know what you normally say about respecting and, and fearing and all that with opponents, but uh-huh. like, if you're if you're an opposing fan watching this Virginia Tech team coming to town, like, are you worried? Are you nervous? Like, I, I mean, I mean, you just had this experience. You you tell us a little bit, but I think that other teams maybe a little bit more because. To be perfectly honest, they don't have Derek King at quarterback. And Bingo. that is a game changer. You know, Bingo. like I don't know yep. if we had, you know, I'm a huge Nicosi Perry fan. If he was quarterbacking last week, we don't win. If we had Jaron Williams from last year, we already saw that. We turned the ball over four times in the first 13 snaps, spotted them a 28 uh, uh <laughs> lead, and then tried to come back last year and we're unable to do so. And Mike is pumping his fist because they beat us last year when, uh, you know, we lost to the dregs of the earth, including Virginia Tech and FIU and Duke again. Including Virginia Tech. I mean, come on, I had to. to Cold world. (laughs) No, but um, yeah, you know, if you don't have that kind of a quarterback who can make those plays with his legs, and I know that he did get sacked, King is, like six times last week. But if, if you cannot escape your quarterback, if you cannot hit the throws that are there to be hit, and King hit some tight window throws last week, then it becomes a different kind of proposition. So for Pittsburgh, then, if we're going to translate that over, if you're not going to have your quarterback make the plays that De'Aaron King made and get the yards that he got, who is going to do that? Your running backs against Virginia Tech? 
Not if they play running uh, defense the same way that they did last week. So you're going to try to have to throw on them. Is that going to be successful? Who knows? You know, so, I mean, it, they do offer resistance for the the other team on defense. And then on offense, you know, they're going to run the ball. Even if Herbert is not 100%, he still got loose for eight yards. Well, no, he, he got loose for three yards on his first carry and then pushed the pile for another five. So it ended up as an eight-yard carry, but it, it wasn't like, okay, eight yards around the end and I ran out. No, I got hit at three and then just said, you know what? I might not be faster than you, but I'm low to the ground. I'm strong, and we're going to move, and you're not going to stop me. And finally, there was four guys who dragged him down, and they're going to do that. And, you know, you have a quarterback who can run. He has a quarterback who has a live arm to push the ball down the field. You got a couple of options to catch the ball down the field. And, you know, you do have from Virginia Tech a team that wants to run the ball and running. Now, Pittsburgh is a really good run defense, and that's going to be something that will give Virginia Tech some some cause for concern. But if they're able to throw the ball like Mike surmises, then, yeah, that's a thing that will – tilt the game in their favor, just like Miami beat Pittsburgh close. I think that Virginia Tech can beat Pittsburgh close as well by employing similar kind of things and having similar kind of intermittent success in the intermediate and uh, downfield passing game. So for me, played both teams, seen both teams. um, I just, even in a loss, was more impressed with, I mean, because we came back at the last second, honestly, against Virginia Tech, and they played us tough all the way through. I'm going to lean Virginia Tech on the road. Hell yeah. Small spread. I mean, I, I don't feel bad about that from, you know, picking a favorite on the road. Like it's un, under four points. I mean, you, you can probably work with that. And again, I, I don't have a lot of reason to feel good about Pittsburgh at this point in the year. You know, any, any right. conversations that we're having about, you know, Justin Fuente and his job status and all this stuff, like it's really not that far removed from some of the conversations we're having about Pat Narduzzi as well. So like, it's not like things are really going peachy there in the uh, in the Steel City either. So, um, I I tend to agree. I, I think all three of us on Virginia Tech here. the The total here is fifty five and a half, and I'm tempted to to go under on that. Say this is a pretty low scoring, like twenty four to ten kind of game or something like that. But then again, both of these teams, like they're a combined ten and five, going over the total this year. So. That's kind of giving me a little bit of pause. But I think that's, again, defenses for either side that were worse than the combination of defenses in this game. You know what I mean? Like if they're playing a Liberty, for example, and their defense is giving up points, it's okay. This is going to have to be a shootout. You know, same thing for Pittsburgh, you know, playing some teams. Okay. It's going to have to be a shootout. I don't think that this game has to be a shootout. So I know that, yeah, it is more frequent this year for both of them to go over. But like in this game, I just don't, I don't see the offensive explosion from either squad to get there unless they play completely opposite of who they are, who they've shown to be throughout the majority of the course of this season, I think. Mike, if you want to talk me out of it, this is your chance. I'm just looking at, you know, some of these games here that Pittsburgh's played this year and They've eclipsed 30 points one time, two times, three times. And one of those games was against like Austin P. Like, this isn't a team that scores a lot of points. Um, and 
defensively, I think that they can do enough against Virginia Tech's rushing attack to take away the best part of the Hokies' offense. I'm going under here. I, I think under's the play. I get the statistics. I, the ACC is weird. It could absolutely go over. Mm-hmm. I'm going under here because I, I don't think Pittsburgh scores enough, number one, and I think Pittsburgh has the capability, and I think they will, by the way. I think they will take away the best part of Virginia Tech's offense in this football game. That's the run, with or without Khalil Herbert being 100%. I don't think it really matters if he's 100% or not. I think Pittsburgh can do a good enough job against him to at least limit him, even if he is healthy. But I'll say the, this, too. The other question. What's, what's funny about that? You mentioned taking away the run game for Virginia Tech. I've I, we've watched this Fuente team. We've watched Brad Cornelson call plays for how long? Virginia Tech will try to run the ball about forty times in this game. I promise you, they will. They will. It, they might end up with less than hundred yards, but they will try to run the ball about forty times. <laughs> like, yeah. Sorry, Cam. No, no, no. You're good. I was just wondering, like, what the over under numbers were, because like, if they if if the over under was like thirty eight and a half or forty, and they went over. Okay, you know, but if it was like 55 and a half, 58, and then, you know what I mean? I, obviously, you're not going to do all that research right now. I'm just thinking, you know, hey, you know, depending on what the numbers were, that could also be part of the story. Because I know that we think overs is like, a you know, 80-point shootout, but it could have been 28. I mean, if your over-under was 44 and you had a 28-24 game, that ends up being over. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, let's put it this way. Actually, I can tell you right now, I think the highest total that Pittsburgh has had all year might be this one. Um, they have not yet had a total in the sixties. Um, and really everything has kind of topped out in the mid fifties. So not getting super high numbers here either. And, and so I guess, you know, that's where they, they kind of helps to help them go over yeah. that way, but definitely not, I mean, not what you would think of a team that, you know, again, they don't score a ton of points and they, they play really good defense, but you know, it's right. funny because I mean, you mentioned too, like, oh, they scored thirty points twice outside of the Austin P game. It's like, well, yeah, but that was twenty-four points in regulation, and then a touchdown and a missed extra point in overtime against Boston College, and they scored forty-one against Florida State, and I think at least at least seven of those run a like a defensive score, um, mm-hmm. maybe another one. So, you know, it, even when they have racked up bigger numbers on the on the scoreboard, like it, it's not always what exactly what it looks like. So. Right. Yeah, and so. and Miami, my Miami, they struggled to run the ball against Pittsburgh. And De'Ara King still threw four touchdown passes. And De'Ara King, I think, is very similar to Hendon Hooker in the way that he can struggle at times throwing from the pocket in obvious passing situations. I think that, you know, his best success has been when they've had a great running game going, which I think is the case for a lot of quarterbacks, but especially Hooker and King in the roles that they serve for their respective teams. So, I I think. Hendon Hooker can be in a similar position where he's got, you know, guys running open in that secondary that just hasn't been very good for Pittsburgh. Yep. All right. Virginia Tech and the under seems to be the play there. I'll, let's come back to this in a minute. I might might lock up that under. We'll see. Uh, hmm. Last game I've got with a spread here. The NC State Wolfpack, a three and a half point home favorite against the number 21 Liberty Flames. 730 on ESPN. Total is 67. Um, I, I think I'm on Liberty here. <laughs> not, and it's really, it's, are you? Uh, yeah. And I, I think so. And I'm, I'm going to say this, like, it's not really necessarily a slight at NC state and it's not like I'm just some big believer in Hugh freeze and what he's doing at Liberty as much as just like, I mean, they've beaten two NC state, they've beaten two ACC teams so far this year. Like 
wouldn't it just be appropriately 2020 for them to beat them, you know, beat the third one and just go three and zero against the ACC? Like whatever, whatever's going on with this, you know, this Liberty team, it seems like it's working at the very least. I am on NC State. I'm on the other side of that. Take them to and cover three and a half. I, I am. Yeah, I am. I just think that looking at the way that NC State has played recently and really for the better part of the last month or so, mm-hmm. they're just gaining confidence, right? And, you know, defensively, it hasn't always been pretty. I mean, look at the Miami game, for instance, a couple Fridays ago. It hasn't always been pretty. Um, the North Carolina game wasn't great defensively. But offensively, I think they're starting to figure some things out. And I don't think the defense necessarily has to be this, like, ball of fire. I mean, Liberty's got a good offense. uh, But I don't think this is a situation where NC State isn't going to be able to score on Liberty. And I like the way that Bailey Hawkman has played in relief of Devin Leary. I think he's really starting to find his footing. Um, The big question when Leary got hurt was, okay, if Hawkman comes into the fold... Like, how bad is the NC State passing offense going to be? Which was a question, ironically, that we had about Devin Leary coming into the year because he only completed 48% of his passes last year as a true freshman. But we kind of removed those questions from the equation. And when Bailey Hawkman kind of came back and made his you know, second spring appearance for NC State outside of the first couple of games, he you know, comes back into a fold when Leary gets hurt. He's been pretty good. Um, so I'm on the NC State. I think NC State's the better team. Uh and I'll start believing in Liberty, I guess, if they beat NC State, too. I'm just, they should have lost to Virginia Tech. They didn't. Um, they've played some games this year where I look at, you know, some of the opponents they've faced, and I'm like, man, the schedule's just really not all that good. And I said the same thing going into the Virginia Tech game. So it would be very 2020 for Liberty to pull this off, too. But I just like the way NC State's trending right now overall as a program. And Dave Doran has become easy to root for this year, which is a very weird say. So anyway, mm. give me the pack. For what it's worth, yeah. S- SP Plus disagrees with you, Mike. SP Plus says Liberty is six and a half points better than, than NC State. Um, SP Plus also thinks Virginia Tech's the 17th best team in the country, don't they? These are yeah. These are just facts. These are all true statements at this point. Um, it's it is interesting to me that they've still got NC State at seventieth overall, and I think that there were a couple of, of things that they had to work out earlier in the season that are still kind of reflected in that. And I and I completely agree with what you're saying. I mean, they've been they've played a lot better lately, and they've they've built some confidence, and they seem like they they've gotten in rhythm, and you know, it's like they've got some things that are working for them. So. Um, yeah, so that, that that's all all worthwhile, but again, I'm going to stick with Liberty not for any particularly good reason, but because I'm, you know, I'm the village idiot around here and that's that's what I do. So Cam, I'm guessing you're on Mike's side here. Fade Joey. <laughs> you know, I'm not really sure because, you know, I think that as we've seen uh with my team Miami and obviously with other teams, good teams find ways to win and bad teams find ways to lose. And if there's one thing that Hugh Freeze can do it's coach offensive football and that has propelled Liberty to win these games that you know otherwise maybe I mean okay the schedule's not great but you know you would think okay maybe they lost one or two of those they should have lost Virginia Tech uh you know things like that but they find a way to win um Bailey Hockman is playing pretty well uh you know obviously he had that touchdown catch on the first drive against Miami on the throwback uh you know they got a seven foot 
12 tight end, Carrie Angeline. They got Emeka Amezi at wide receiver. They got Porter Rooks at wide receiver, a freshman uh, who's a four-star that Miami kicked the tires on. It's like sophomore, junior year as well. So they got some good guys, uh, you know, in the passing game in multiple positions. They got two really good running backs whose names I don't remember, but whatever. They've run really strong, and it was hard to tackle them when we played them. So, I mean, you have the core of a good offense. You know, you have a defense that uh, can present problems at times. Obviously, you know, if it can be a little porous, you know, so I think that this could be a game that sees the total uh, creep up a little bit. Um, but in spite of the fact that I think that North Carolina State should win, I'm just going to ride the vibes and go with Liberty. boy. So this is, this is me openly telling you, I think that I'm going to be wrong, but I have a <laughs> hunch and a feeling. And I'm just going to play, you know, the 1920s copper and I'm not going to, you know, use all the technology to help me solve the case. I'm going to work off of my hunch. My hunch is Liberty is going to find a way. They're going to score enough points because that's what they've done all year long. And that's it. I, I, I will say this about NC State, and I think it's worth mentioning. And, and again, not meant as a slight, but when you look at their schedule, who who is the best team that they have beaten this year? Let's best team. They've beaten Wake Forest. They won on the road at Pittsburgh. They won on the road at Virginia. They beat Duke and they beat Florida State. Who's who's the best win there? Virginia or Pittsburgh? Agree. I mean, it might be Wake ah. Forest, honestly. With, could be Wake. Uh, well, could be Wake no, Forest. yeah, it could be Wake. Then again, that was Week One, and Wake in Week Ten seems like a yeah. very different team than Wake in Week One. But I agree. I it's not it's not the same looking at in Week One. Uh, that's why I lean toward Pitt or UVA. I'm yeah. in the same boat there. And, and so, honestly, what I would say is probably the most impressive NC State performance we've seen was a near a near miss against Miami. Like, a game that they lost, but, you know, you took a ranked team and, and took them down to the wire, basically. Like, I don't know where I'm going well, with this. Well, did you leave but... in the fourth quarter? <laughs> yeah, like, I, I don't know where I'm going with this, but I, I wonder a little bit. You know, the, the record looks good, and it seems like they're playing well, but you know, against who the, the schedule hasn't really been a true, uh, a true murderer's row for the most part, you know, for the Wolfpack for what I'll do Liberty. Now, I'll do Liberty. <laughs> Liberty, 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 Liberty. Their schedule also very bad. Liberty has worse. played such scrubs as FIU, Northern Alabama, Southern Miss, Virginia tech and Western Carolina. Put some respect on FIU's name, right? Cam put some respect on FIU's name. Put them on the schedule again. Put them on the schedule because <laughs> it, it it was a perfect storm. They got that win. <laughs> they won that game last year. That's perfectly fine. I'm not even going to raise my voice. I'm not going to have any histrionics, anything else. Put them on the schedule. Cam, I, I will say this: if it makes you feel any better, there was uh, the Citadel was brought up randomly on a podcast. I don't know about a month ago. And Couldn't imagine we what that was in reference Citadel. to. Yeah, and I said the same thing. I said, "Hey, Joe, you got to put some respect on the Citadel's name." Come on. <laughs> so this is now a running joke. Didn't we get a transfer from there? D. Delaney, the cornerback, a couple of years ago, transferred from the Citadel. Yeah, there you go. That's supposed to be a service academy. Why are we? Why are we transferring to go play football somewhere else? Like go to the military. Hey, I. Hey. Hey, I'll tell you what, you ditch military school for the girls in South Beach, I'd be leaving too. 
good buddy of mine did the early enrollment program or something at West Point. Um, and like before the first real day of school, he was like, yeah, no, 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 no. <laughs> Miami had a scholarship for me, an engineer buddy. There we go. <laughs> and he left from, from up, it was either West Point or one of the, some academy up there. Uh, but yeah, so then he showed up uh, in August or whatever of our freshman year. Good friend of mine, uh, Tom Stella. But uh, yeah, did the same thing. So that <laughs> is a, a good path. So. All right. Well, whether for or against our own better judgment, Cam and I are both on Liberty here. Mike on NC State. Total 67. And, I lean over? But then yeah, again, maybe, like, maybe I need... Go ahead. Uh, but then again, with the total 67, like, if, if Hugh Freeze is going to do the same BS that he did a couple weeks ago in Blacksburg, where he just, you know, plays keep away in the four corners offense while slowly just converting third and fourth downs the whole game, like, I don't want to be on that over again. Like... Yeah, I'm going under, and also, and I'm making that a play, and also, I'd like to say that I probably need to put some respect on Liberty's name, so, <laughs> it is what it is, probably it's gone do. full circle. <laughs> Fair enough. All right, yeah, I'm probably going to leave that total alone. Um, all right, last game we got here on the slate, 4 o'clock ESPN3, Mike, your Virginia Cavaliers taking on the Abilene Christian, hang on, they have a nickname? They have a nickname. We're going to do it live. <laughs> I promise. The, the Christians. <laughs> the Abilene Christian Wildcats. <laughs> the Wildcats. They're one Should have known. They're 11th in the Southland Conference. They beat Mercer. Yeah. They put a scare into Stephen F. Austin and UTEP. And I don't know which one of those is the, the most impressive. but The Abilene Christian Christians. It, it could be. Could be the fighting Christians. <laughs> You're welcome for that one. Oh, yeah, that's good stuff, Cam. It should be uh, a fairly stuff. easy walkthrough for Virginia, but I, I will say, don't don't be completely shocked if this game is like kind of close, maybe about 20 minutes in. Like, this is the kind of team that is going to come out fired up. It's their chance against a Power Five team, whatever. And like Virginia, whatever you do, don't turn the ball over in your first couple of drives or do like anything to like actually give them hope because. That's how this turns into a very long, not fun at all afternoon. Very quickly. Yeah, as UVA fans will tell us, the race for the Heisman Trophy for Brennan Armstrong starts this Saturday. <laughs> the 2022 yeah, I, Heisman Trophy. <laughs> the 2020 oh, never God. Heisman Trophy. Um, yeah, you know, I just... It, it, should be, it should be an easy win for Virginia. Um, but and to Joy's point, it could be... You know, a seven-point game, twenty minutes in. It also could be Abilene Christian uh, needed to pray more, and it could be a three-touchdown deficit at the end of the first quarter. Who knows? Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that when the second half comes around, Virginia has a defense. They got Charles Snowden or whatever it is. He's like that six-seven defensive end who's real good. He's something. They got else. a linebacker who wears a a neck brace or the neck extender thing. Uh, I don't know his name, but he's pretty strong. And I think that in the run game that uh, Abilene Christian's going to try to employ, uh, he'll snuff some of that out. They got some good defensive backs. They're well coached. I don't like Bronco Mendenhall, but I will commend him for doing a solid job. Virginia's going to win going away. Should be pretty easy. Should be pretty easy. Yeah. Abilene Christian lost to some school named Angelo State. Oof. So UVA wins. And and that's why there's no line on this game. Yeah, and that is why. The Angelo State States, I believe that they're referred to as. <laughs> the Rams. 
Um, the Rams. Yeah. All right. So it should oh. be easy win here for Virginia. This is, this is the end of the season for Abilene Christian, too, by the way. So they'll be done after this. Uh, uh, the end of their season was when they lost to Angelo State, the opener. That was the end of their season. <laughs> uh, <sighs> all right. Uh, Mike, uh, I think I'm going to lock up the under in Virginia Tech Pittsburgh. Let's lock that Play up. Play sound. Right here. Play the sound. You better lock it up. You better lock it up. No, you lock it up. You lock it up. Lock it up. Lock it up. Please indeed. Please lock that up for me. Um, that's all we got in terms of games to preview. Uh, but, gentlemen, we do have a game to recap. Fresh oh fries, hot off the presses. As the Buffalo Buffaloes, 42, the Bowling Green Falcons, 17. And they did cover. So, good on Bowling Green. It is. Uh, it was a bit of a competitive game. They were 31-point underdogs. They, they were in it till the end from a covering standpoint. They just managed to give up a, a casual 396 yards on the ground. Yeah, Cameron, tell me about the box score. Big yikes. Uh, did this before uh, we started recording because I had some internet issues and Joy and Mike were looking this up and said, just go look up the box score and walk around and see what happens. And okay, this is... On the Bowling Green side, it's nothing too crazy, you know, like whatever. They scored 17 points, lost by 25, but like you said, they were 31-point underdogs, so nothing crazy. But then you go to the Buffalo stats, and you say, okay, their quarterback went 7 for 12 for 74 yards. Not in the first half, not on this one drive, for the entire game. So you're like, okay, if he only threw it 12 times, what in the oh my god, Jarrett Patterson, by his lonesome, Carried it 31 times for 301 yards, four touchdowns, and a 9.7 yards per carry average. But wait, there's more. The backup running back, Kevin Marks, went 15 carries for 90 yards. As the number two running back, that's how many yards they gave up. So it was, uh, yeah, they, they just ran and ran and ran and ran and ran some more because, you know, Marshawn Lynch told you how that works, and it definitely, <laughs> definitely worked for the Buffalo Buffaloes of the University of Buffalo today. The Brian Van Gorder Memorial You Tried Award of the preview show goes to Brian Van Gorder. That is right. <laughs> I the, the weird thing here I don't really understand is how Buffalo can run the ball 48 times, pass it 12 times, and still come in under 30 minutes time of possession. I don't know how that works. That's, that's a new one for me. So... Um, Good on Buffalo. Good on because they were chunking it. Yeah, that's like they got so many yards per carry. It wasn't it wasn't thirty carry or however many carries at like four yards a carry or something. They're gashing them all these times. As mentioned, the 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 backup comes in just short of eight yards per carry. You can see why he's the backup. Um, Yeah, yeah, this was this was a mess. So good on you, Bowling Green. You're close. You're halfway through the max schedule. Zero and three. Three games left. We'll see if we can uh, get one in the win column. We'll see. Not feeling confident, I'll tell you that. <laughs> well, you're not the only one. Um, that's all I've got on week 11. You guys have anything else here? Oh, man. Am I going to regret taking Virginia Tech as my pick of the week? Yes. That's, that's Probably. Yes. Probably. They have won a grand total of one time at Heinz Field. <laughs> like ever? I mean, but- ever. Ever. Wow. Ever. But even if 
they do win. It's going to be a one point win and you're going to lose that. You know, it's going to be one of those kind of things. And they're going to have to deal with your fan base. So, I mean, like, I don't, it's tough to see the path to happiness with that pick for you, except for, you know, if you bet it and then win the money. Ah, <laughs> uh, well, you know, the good news is at least I'll have Virginia Tech Twitter to always prop me up and make me feel good after a long day of whatever <laughs> I've been doing. So, company. It's a, I will never be lonely. You are never lonely in Christ, as they say, and you are never lonely with the Virginia Tech fan base. <laughs> well, on that note, uh, Cam, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on. Thanks for coming on to, to preview these games with us. You know, again, as, as always, it is a, is just it's a joy having you around. So thanks thanks for coming on. You want to tell the people real quick, remind them where they can find your stuff. Yeah, man, thanks for having me. Obviously, uh, twice in two weeks, so it's been a, a good little. Fortnite over here, uh, you know, with you guys, but uh, we're always at stateoftheu.com is the website, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at the State of the U. My personal Twitter account is at Underwood Sports. I was tweeting below deck today as well as some video games and things like that. Um, and here, there, and everywhere, hopping on a microphone to talk to other people about sports. So, yeah. Attaboy. Well, thanks again. Yeah. And like, as we've always mentioned, stateofu.com is the the only place to go find your Miami coverage so go go find it there uh great great work done by cam and his staff over there so go check it out uh mike that's all you got in week 11 you want to get out of here let's do it all right in the meantime they can find us on twitter i am at ftrs joey he is at mike mcdaniel vt together we're at bc podcast acc and once again go follow cam at underwood sports and at the state of the u on twitter uh, you can find us at BC Podcast ACC on the Instagrams. So go find us there. We got a new account. Go check it out. Posting lots of content. Should be fun. Uh, you can find us on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Breaker, the Overcast app, wherever fine podcasts are sold for free, and especially on Anchor. Uh, Mike, they can send us an email with their questions, comments, concerns to the longest email address known to man, basketballconferencepodcast at gmail.com. Nailed it. Thank you. Uh, you want to tell them where else they can find us on the social medias? Facebook, facebook.com slash basketball conference, rate, review, find all of your podcasts there. Go check out our friends at Home Field Apparel. Go ACC at checkout, 20% off your first order. Absolutely. Please do. All sorts of cool stuff there. Uh, we'll tell you a little bit more about them on the recap episode. But for now, yeah, 20% off your first order with Go ACC as your promo code at checkout. Uh, Cam, Mike, this has been fun. Y'all want to come back and talk about some games after the, the weekend is played? Yes, sir. Do you want to ever talk about Bowling Green football again? (laughs) Only always. (laughs) I was going to say, next Tuesday, same time. That's right. The Bowling Green, the Falcons. (laughs) Got to get that sound effect in there one more time. Oh, yeah. That's right. All right. Mike, Cam, enjoy the games. We'll talk sometime soon. Yes, sir. See you. All right. Well, for those guys over there, Mr. Mike and Mr. Cam, I am Joey. Thank you guys so much for listening. We will talk to you again soon. And until next time, go ACC. We'll be right back.